Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Saturday night service. Okay. If you have your bulletins there on the, on the, the little blurb, I've got about three or four verses there. And most of them have one thing in common. There's a common thread through all of these verses. So due to the fact that our last two weeks have been pretty much out of whack, I'm going to do something different for tonight's service as well. So um, just bear with me, and we'll see where the Holy Spirit takes it. First verse there, 1 Corinthians 9.24, because we're talking about racing and the bicycle race and all of this now. So do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. So Paul says, when you start out in this race, which we are all in, he says, you must do your best. You must go to receive the prize. Don't enter this race saying, well, you know, if I come third place, that's good enough. He's saying, don't have that attitude. When you enter this race, once you become reborn, once you step into Christ, you run to receive the prize. There's no time that we can back down and say, well, third place is good enough. You don't see these guys on the bicycle or star athlete going into the Olympics and saying, you know, if I get the bronze, that's amazing. I'm not going for gold. There's no one that trains and eats and sleeps and drinks to go for the bronze. You don't even hear that, going for bronze. Their movies, their sayings, their things about going for gold, the gold. But no one goes for the bronze. And in our Christian walk, we shouldn't go for the bronze either. We shouldn't even go for silver. This is what Paul says here. He says, when you run, there's one that wins the race. And run in such a way that, that that is you. That you can finish your race and do well and obtain the prize. So the way we, we train, the way we prepare, the way we compete. Uh, this weekend, they just had the Mr. Olympia competition. And those guys, I mean, literally eat, sleep, and drink bodybuilding. There's nothing else. Their life revolves around that. The, the hours that they sleep, the food that they take, they weigh it before they eat. They know exactly how much carb, how many grams, how much protein, how everything is, how much steroids to pump. Everything is a science. They can't take one day off because then they know they can't stand on that stage and be the best. And with you and I, it's the same. We cannot take one day off and that's not law pointing a finger it's just we in this thing there's no turning around there's not one day that we say well you know today i just feel like well god is not with me it's not working i'm gonna just stay in bed and hide until tomorrow comes we can't do that so we sleep we eat we drink we train like this is it i'm stepping on stage tomorrow and my preparation for tomorrow is every single thing that i do today my sleeping, what I watch, what I listen to, where I go, who I hang out with. All the seeds that I sow today, I'll be picking up tomorrow in a harvest that's going to come my way. And that's very, very important. Next verse here, Colossians 1.18. So Colossians 1.18, 2.19. These all have one word in here that, that we want to look at tonight. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in all things he may have the preeminence, in all things. So this is like the guy that trains. In all things, whatever sport you are going for, 
your eating, your sleeping, what you watch, everything you do, that sport has the preeminence in everything you do. And for us, it should be the same way. The way you deal with your spouse, the way you work, how do people speak about you behind your back at work, the things that you watch, the things you listen to, Christ should have the preeminence in everything. So I'm sitting at home, television program comes on. Because I'm in Christ and he's in me and I just, I just want to live for him, I'm not going to watch that because he has a preeminence. I'm going to turn that off. Somebody phones me. I see who's on my telephone. You know what? I'm married. This is not, I should not be answering this because in this relationship with my spouse, this is not right because he says I should not be doing that because he has a preeminence. I'm not going to answer the telephone. Every single thing that we do is because Christ has a preeminence. He's first and foremost in absolutely everything we do. There is no second place for Jesus in our lives. There is no place to put him on the back burner and say, well, you know, if you don't come through, then he, he's God. He's, as we heard, so he's the master, creator of the universe. There is no second place for Jesus in your and my life. He has the preeminence in every single thing we do. Praise God, Saturday night, we are here. Why? Because he has a preeminence in our lives. We could have been other places. We could have been, and a lot of people have great excuses and they're legal or, you know, rightful, uh, not excuse, but meanings for not being here. But you know what? We are here. Why did you come, Bill? Because he has preeminence in your life. You want more of God. Because tonight can be a night where he can touch you or you can hear another verse or he can bring more revelation and you can walk away a changed person. Or I could have sat on the sofa watching TV. But he has a preeminence. That's why we're here. That's why we came. Because we're hungry. So he has a preeminence in everything. 2.19. And not holding fast to the head from whom all the body, and that's what Pastor Doug spoke about tonight earlier, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. God has increase for you through his body. God has increase for you through his body. So are you in a body? Yes, you are, the body of Christ. How do you deal with the rest of the body next to you? How do you deal with the other body parts? Because when they are hurting, you should be able to be there and help them. And when you are hurting, they should be able to be there and help you. But it says here that uh, grows with the increase that is from God. God is the giver of life. He's the giver of good things. He never takes. The enemy steals, kills, and destroys. Jesus made that very, very clear. He'll take stuff away from you that you don't need in your life. I'm not saying that everything you do, he's just going to bless. But he's not taking away family members. He's not taking away anything of life. He's the giver of life. There is increase in your life that God has for you. But he must be number one. He's not going to allow himself to be number two. He, he, he can't be number two. It's just as simple as that. He, he can't allow it because he can't be. It's impossible for him to be number two. So he's either all or he is all. Never changes. He is all. So God speaks to me so many times in so many different ways. And most of the time when he talks to me, it's for myself. 
He'll show everywhere. You know, when I ride on a bike, he shows me stuff, and that's what I want to do tonight. This was just about two or three months ago. I went on a ride. We went to uh, Tennessee. There's a ride there called the Tale of the Dragon. And I went away for five days, and, and just on the bike riding, I just learned so much. Just on the bike, because he's everywhere. You can't go anywhere where he is not. So even riding on the bike, he speaks, he's teaching, he's leading, he's guiding. Because I honestly believe, John 16, 13, how be it when the spirit of truth has come, which he has, he will lead and guide you into all truth. I believe that verse. I believe that Holy Spirit obeys Jesus. He's not going to disobey and say, well, I'm not going to teach, I'm not going to give him truth. Jesus said, when the spirit of truth has come, he will lead you, he will guide you. Holy Spirit obeys Jesus. So he's always speaking, always leading, always guiding. So God showed me this because as I was going to this place on this ride, it's called the Tale of the Dragon. And it's on Route 29 or 129. And when you go there, it, it, it is so fear-filled. And you, uh, you stayed in a hotel there. It's called a two-wheel inn. And there's a, there's a place for your bike. When I say bike, I mean motorbike, not your little, like, these bikes outside. There's a place for your bike in your room. Because the guy said when he made this place, he doesn't like going somewhere and in the middle of the night having to go to the window, peek out to see if his bike is still outside. So he built a hotel with a, a place where you park your bike in the room. So that's nice. You can sleep watching your bike. It's amazing. <laughs> now, believe me, I enjoy more watching my wife. But when she's not there, the bike's good. The bike's good. So when you go to this place, there are articles on the wall about how many people died the previous year, challenging the dragon, how many people die every year. This is just so fear-based, but we know where fear comes from. So we have nothing to do with fear. So I respect the road, I understand all of that, but I'm not going to fear it. But this all fear-based. And when you go on this, people there, when you get there, there's stores underneath. And you can buy DVDs of crashes and all of this. It's just, this is the whole thing about the dragon. And it's just fear-based. So when I was preparing for the dragon, I went to YouTube and I watched. I wanted to see. It's 11 miles long with 380, 318 curves or turns so literally every 60 yards you got to turn and there's another curve it's next to a mountain it's a dangerous road but it's not that dangerous that you have to you know do anything stupid or be afraid of so i'm watching this thing and th on on youtube i see this video and as i watch it the lord immediately speaks to me and this is what edward can you show that first one please about the motorbike you can watch this
So whenever you get there, that's all there is, this dragon with fire, catching, killing people. At the bottom of the mountain, they have a huge tree, and when you crash, you hang all your stuff on the tree. It's called the Tree of Shame. So those are people who crash that hang their bikes and parts of their bikes on this tree. There's no more space on the tree. It's all on the floor now. Thanks, Edward. So I'm watching this before I go. Even the music, can you hear? They could have had a nice violin or a fiddle playing and the guy flying through the air, but it's all hard and fear-based and so quick. And as I was watching this, on the bottom there it says, on a bike, on a motorcycle, you go where you look. And God said, that's not just on a motorcycle. You go where you look. What are your eyes focused on? And I was, wow, that's, that's good. That's really good. And then all these verses about the head, Jesus being the head. And we look at Jesus just now himself. But I had to ask myself, you know, what am I looking at? And it's not necessarily sin. But sometimes we just look at stuff that's not sin, but it's just not putting God first. Not sin, not bad, not evil, but it's lukewarm. And where you look is where you're going to go. And what are we looking at? Especially at a time like now. Man, there's so many things. September should have ended the end of the world already. There have been so many prophecies about what's going to happen now. And we should have been. And did Jesus say that to us? Is that what the word is saying? Is, you know, Hebrews 12, 2. We'll look at that just now. But we should keep our eyes on Jesus. 
the author and the finisher of our faith. Because where we look is where we go. That's not just for a motorbike. So in the beginning, there's a question that says, what's wrong with this picture? The guy's going around the corner looking over there. Because what happens is when you go around corners, they have people who take pictures, professional photographers. And then you can buy yourself while you're going. They put it on a website that day, and you can pay money. So that's very for, for pride. That's very nice because you want to take a picture with your bike as low as possible, close to the ground, and your pride gets in the way there. So obviously with a corner coming, he's looking at the photographer, one hand off of the steering wheel, waving over there, instead of this is a dangerous road. You can't afford to mess around. It's the same on the road with Christ. You can't take one hand off and look at things that are distracting you, waving over there when Christ is saying, this is the road that I've placed before you. Walk in this way, go straight. And we're looking and waving over there and doing all sorts of things. And then the next time you look in front of you, 10 meters have gone. And it's too late now to get back on the path. It's never too late in Christ, but you understand what I'm saying. So that's what's wrong with that picture, is not having the respect and not having the urgency to make Christ the preeminence in everything that we do taking our eyes off of the prize, looking at other things that we shouldn't be looking at. Not sin, it's just not the best thing to do. And that's how compromise starts. Just one little, one little, one little step becomes two. Two little steps. It's so easy when we start on that path of compromise, where if you just stay on the path and you don't even go that little step, don't even look that way, because that's not God calling me to look there. It's so much easier to stay on the right path. So, a couple of other verses here. Let's turn to Ephesians 6, verse 17. If you can remember two weeks ago, I went to Ephesians chapter 6, and we spoke about the righteousness that covers our hearts. So no matter what you do, you may be acting like a fool right now, but that doesn't change the fact that you're still the righteousness of God. You may have taken your eyes off of the path, but that doesn't change the fact that you are righteous. So all you need to do is just get your eyes from where they were back onto where they should be and head in the right direction. There's not one of us here that can ever say, well, I never took my eyes off the road. And that's why we need the body. So that when that happens, there's somebody there to say, what are you looking at? Where are you going? Where are you heading? You're not going in the right direction. Where are your eyes? What are your eyes fixed upon right now? So we spoke about the righteousness of our hearts. But now in verse 17, it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet of salvation. What does the helmet protect? The head. So tonight is all about the head. And we, we don't have enough time, but Christ being the head. But tonight is just about us and our heads. How do we protect our head? How do we look after our heads? Because on the inside of your head is something very, very important. That's where the thoughts go in. Whether they're good or bad, they go in here. They go through the ear, we said through the eyes, and, and they're in here. And this is where the enemy starts, the battlefield of the mind. But praise God, that's why we have the helmet. 
So when those thoughts come, they can't go in because they bounce off of the helmet. If a thought comes and it doesn't line up with a word or God's character, we rebuke that thought. We don't allow it in. It's not allowed in there. It should bounce off of our helmets. So that's why it says, take up this helmet. And then the word salvation, very interesting. In the Greek, it's number 4992, soterius. And this is what it means. He who embodies this salvation. Because he's talking about put on this, take this, have this, all of these things. And then he says the helmet of salvation, the helmet of the person who embodies this, all the things that we put on, everything that we do, all the weapons that we have, that we walk in. And it also means or through whom God is about to achieve it. God is about to achieve this salvation through whom. So in that saying, through whom, it means that there's a choice. And that's what we've been talking along, all along, is there's a choice for you and I to say, I step into the salvation. This is mine. Christ died on the cross so that this salvation can be mine. I choose to make it mine so Christ can do it through me. And now we are in partnership with Christ because God has the increase for us. He wants his body to increase. Why? So that people out there that don't know how good he is can see how good he is through our lives. That's the whole point, is so that people who don't know that God is love, that God is real, that God is good, that they can look at your life and say, man, this God that you serve is just, I can see that your life is just flooding with the goodness of God because look at you and look at me. There's increase for you from God because he wants others to know him. Okay? So that's what it means. The person who God is about to achieve this. Because we all have the same opportunity. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 and 5. Please, Edward. We all have the same opportunity to be successful. We come from different families. We come from different backgrounds. People have gone through different things. But you and I sitting in this church here tonight all have the same opportunity to be successful or to be a mess. It's our choice. We have that choice to make our lives successful or unsuccessful. Why? Because we all have the same word. You may come out of a family that there was abuse and you may come out of a family where there was no love. And all of that is real and true. But the word can change that. That's why we all have the same opportunity. And we can go from here, we can sit here, and we can go through every person in the building. And we can say, how successful are you in your life right now? You will be successful because you're walking in the ways of the word. Or you will not be successful because you're not doing what the word says. That makes the difference. You see, life happens. You can lose your job. You can lose a family member. Things happen. But when things happen, it's how do you walk in the word when that happens? Because the world just falls apart. They, bless their hearts, do not know how to stand when things like that happen. We have the word. So we can be successful in all of that stuff. Because stuff happens to everybody. But we have the word. That's the difference between us and them that do not know the Lord, is the word. So we all have the ability to be successful. Why? Because we have the same word. Now let's look what it says about the mind. We know these verses, nothing new. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. 
casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought. I think so many times we skip out that every and we read it as if it says, bring in some thoughts. Bring in three quarter of the thoughts. Bring in 90% of thoughts. Yet the word says, bring every thought that does not line up with God. Bring that into obedience. Take it captive to the obedience of Christ. And so many of us, and I've, we've spoken about this before, the enemy flies like a bird over your head. He's going to put a thought in your mind. You've got that helmet on. You have the choice to say that thought does not come from God. I'm not going to allow that thought to fester in my head because I have my helmet on. I know it's not from God. And no, in the name of Jesus, go. I'm not going to act upon you. We can all do that. It doesn't matter what family we came from, what our background is. We all have in Christ the ability to say when that thought comes, no. In Jesus' name, I'm not going to act upon you. That's the truth of the matter. But so many times when the enemy comes with that thought, we don't take every thought captive, and then that one little thought is lying there. And he'll just let it lie there and lie there and lie there and lie, and it will fester and fester and fester until it becomes a, a stronghold in your mind that now even this stronghold to you is stronger than the word of God we allowed that thing in and the enemy has used our authority and our power to make that one evil thought a stronghold instead of the word being the only stronghold in our lives and that's very important because there's nobody walking on God's green earth that the enemy doesn't put thoughts in your mind whether you are the lead senior pastor of a church or whether you are cleaning the church the enemy hates you because you're made in the image of God. You're powerful. God loves you. He died for you. So he hates your guts. So how does he get to you? With a thought? With a thought? The enemy cannot change because he's a demon. He's a fallen angel. Fallen angel. He cannot change his ways. So exactly the same thing that he did to Eve, he's doing today. He comes with a thought. Is it true that the doctor said you're not going to make it? Is it true you lost your job? Now you're going to get kicked out and there's no money. Is, is it true? And that's all he has to do is just put that little thought there. And if we don't take every thought captive, that thing's going to fester and fest and fest and now out of the abundance of the heart that we've let it in. Now we're going to say when someone speaks, how are you doing? Well, you know, the Bible says, but, you know, this, this is not working. I'm not seeing it. And now you're speaking it. You're prophesying over your life. Life and death are in your world. And it's, it, it's just the bad thing. On the flip side of the coin, though, when that thought comes, you can say, no, no, no. My God shall supply all my, I do not know how. I'm not required to know how. All the word says is my God will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. And that is all I'm going to believe. That's what I'm going to meditate on. How are you doing? I don't know how, but God is coming through. He's going to supply all my needs. And that little thought of just 
just this once, take the easy way out. Nobody will see. This is a fail-proof plan. Just take the easy route. You know that never works. But we don't always take every thought captive. If he has the preeminence, when that thought comes, we can recognize it because it doesn't line up with his character. And we can say, that's not of God. I'm not going to allow that in. So we have the ability to be successful because of 2 Corinthians. Let's go to um, Luke chapter 9. We'll start in verse 51. Look at Jesus here. He's the one we're supposed to follow. Look how serious Jesus is about looking in front of him, not allowing anything to distract him, not allow his vision or his view to fall on anything else than where he's going and what he's supposed to do. Night came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Bible doesn't say that he thought about, that he was looking, he was, the Bible says he steadfastly set his face. This is Jesus. What does that mean? Nothing is going to take my view off from where I'm supposed to be going. I'm looking to where I'm going. I'm going to the cross and things are going to happen, but I'm not going to look and give that my attention because I'm heading in that direction. And now look at what the enemy does. Because as soon as you choose to make that decision, all these things from the side are going to come. Come, look at this. Just one look. Quick, quick, look here. What is it? Quickly, look here. Hey, how about this? Because we've made up our mind. He is the preeminence. He's number one in everything. And the devil wants to see. Is that just words? Or do you really mean that? Let's see how serious you are about him having the preeminence in your life. So steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messages before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. They're like, come on, stay here with us. We'll prepare. He's like, sorry, I can't. They're like, but you did miracles before. You've been here before. Stay with us. He said, I can't. And the enemy's going to pull. And he's going to give all 101 good reasons why you should stay here, why you shouldn't look in that direction, why you should stop a little. And Jesus had none of that because he knew where he was going. He set his face. He was looking to where he's going to the cross and nothing is going to distract him. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just like Elijah did? They can't even love anyone, but they can bring down fire. What's more difficult, to love your neighbor that you can see or call down fire from heaven? But they have faith to bring down fire, but they don't have faith to love and be humble and say, you, you can sit at the right hand, that's okay. And the enemies now, they strife. And the enemy wants Jesus to get involved and explain and teach and help and look at what, what's happening, strife. Where there's strife, there's e envy and every evil work. And what is Jesus doing? He set his face. He's not moving. Boys, you have no idea what spirit you are. I didn't come to kill. I came to bless. Let's go. We're going to Jerusalem. Not getting distracted. Not allowing the things of the world to take your vision off of what God has placed in front of you and said, there's the finished post for you. 
run to that. And anything along the side that says, come on, stop here, do this, do that, no, that's not of God. I've got my vision over there and I'm not turning. Because then when these things come and we take every thought captive and we don't allow ourselves to look at things that we shouldn't be looking at, we will run the race because you go where you look. That's not just on a motorbike. That's in life as well. So Jesus says to them, he says, the son of man came not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Praise God. So even if you are sitting here tonight and you say, you know, maybe I've been looking at the wrong thing. Praise God. Jesus came not to destroy lives, but to give life. And he can say, you know, maybe you have been. I understand that, but I paid for it. So get your eyes where they should be and let's move along. Don't dwell on the past. Don't look at what you're doing right. Look at what you, uh, don't look at what you're doing wrong. Look at what you're doing right. You're in Christ. You have that helmet. Redirect your direction. Let's go. Proverbs 4, we spoke about this last week. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Why? Because what you focus on is what you're going to pay your attention to is what you're going to have in your life. You go where you look. What are you and I looking at? Praise God. We are here tonight to look to Jesus. We are here tonight to look to the thing that he has for us. Because each and every one of us sitting here, you are the answer to somebody's problem. And when we realize that, it just puts such a greater emphasis on our walk that I'm not just here for myself. Life is not just about me. I'm the answer for somebody else. I may look ridiculous. I may not look like anything, but I am the answer for somebody else in this universe, and so are you. We can't afford to be looking at things, going places we shouldn't be, because then someone else is going to be lacking in this kingdom. We can't have that. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Nothing else. Jesus. What does Jesus have to say about end times? What does Jesus have to say about you and I being blessed? Praise God for everything and the year that we're in and all of that. But when Jesus came in Luke 4, he stood up in the temple and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We can live in jubilee every single day. Jesus is no less our jubilee today than he was when he stood up in that temple and said, I, the, jub- the year of jubilee has arrived. I am he and I have come. And there can't be a time that we can't walk in that because it's the wrong year. I'm not, I'm not being facetious, or but, but Jesus is our jubilee. We are one spirit with him. S- when are you more seated in heavenly places than when you are seated in heavenly places? We are there. It's available to us. And if we keep our eyes on him when we go to sleep, the last thing that's on our mind is is him and his goodness 
And when we wake up in the morning, it's him and his goodness. Why? Because he has the preeminence. We can walk in that blessing that he came to say, that blessing is upon me. You don't have to be blind. You don't have to be deaf. You don't have to be poor. Because Holy Spirit is on me. And the Father has sent me to give it to you. And that's available to you every single day. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. There's nothing in this world order that our faith will not overcome. That's what the word says. Nothing that faith will not overcome. For the joy that was set before him, enduring the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's seated. He's done everything he's going to do. And he said, now, like the Father sent me, I'm sending you. The same Holy Spirit that worked through me, he's in you. The same hands, those are your hands. Go and do it. And everywhere you go, and these signs will follow those who believe. And it's mentioned, and it's mentioned, and it's mentioned. That's what we have today. That is what is available to us every single day. Now, it talks about here, I understand in Hebrews 11, talking about the people who are cut in half and the people who went before us, a cloud of witnesses. But there's a, there's a cloud of witness sitting right next to you tonight. The person sitting in front of you, next to you, they're the cloud of witnesses that are here now, right here. There is a cloud up there, I understand that. But our life is not lived just for ourselves. The way I act, the way I do my life affects the person, the cloud of witnesses next to me. And the way he does and the way he, and, and it's so it goes on and on and on and on. But there's an increase from God for his body. And we can partner with that. We can say, I receive that. You will have the preeminence in my life in every single thing that I do to where you get to the point where those things that used to drag and pull and have a ply and a, f a call in your life don't anymore because he has just become so great. He has just become so good. He has just become so amazing to me that those things have lost their pull. That's the grace of God where the enemy would bring that whisper and put something, how are you going to get out of this? Take the short route. No, I know where the short route got me. I'm not going there again. And that's what's available to every single one of us right now. Can we play the next one, please, Edward, the guy in the gym? Here we go, here we go, come on. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Yeah, there it is. Nice. <laughs> See, what happens with your body is the blood that feeds the oxygen to your brain. When you do an exercise that is too taxing, and the two exercises that are the most taxing on the body are squats or deadlifts. And when you do that, what happens is the body sends a signal to that area of your body that says, we need help. We need blood flow right here because in the blood is the life. Everything that feeds is in the blood. So when you do something that's very hard or taxing, 
all the blood away from your head that supplies the oxygen to your brain goes to that part of your body. Okay? So when you pick up, get the metaphor here, when you pick up something which is too heavy for you, when you are carrying a load that you by yourself cannot bear, the blood and the oxygen and the life goes somewhere where it should not go. And what happens is, like that guy, you literally, literally faint. The problem with that is now, did you see the guy taking the picture? When you faint, when you pick up a load that you should not be picking up and you fall down, you better make sure you've got friends and people next to you that's not going to record it on a video and put it on YouTube and laugh. Because that guy could have lost his, his, whole, his whole jaw, could have broken. That, I don't know what happened after that, but that is a very, very serious thing. So two things here, just from that video, make sure that you're not carrying a load that you should not be bearing. That is why Jesus says, come to me, you who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. My burden is light, my yoke is easy. Because Jesus doesn't want you to pass out and bang your face on the ground and break all your teeth. He doesn't want that for you. But if you should be bearing a load that you should not be, make sure the people that are around you will throw down the camera and run to catch you before you fall on your face and hurt yourself rather than putting it on the video. And you need people around you in your life that you can say, man, if, I, if, if I'm going down, if you see in my life I'm carrying a burden that I shouldn't be, tell me, come and catch me, help me. Don't stand there and record it and laugh at me. And that is why we have the body. That is why there is increase from God because he's given us a body. So number one, Jesus says, don't go and carry something that is too heavy. Don't carry something that you should not be carrying by yourself. Because I have something for you to carry. And in my grace, that which you carry, which is very heavy and very important, but there's a grace to be able to do that. And when you step out of my grace and you start working in your own strength, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to damage yourself. And that is not what God has for us. But if you should be doing that, make sure you are surrounded by people who can see you going down and say, come on, listen, that's, that's just a bit heavy. That's not for now. Maybe two years from now, but for now, let me help you with that. Or take a bit of that weight off. Or why are you going so heavy? What are you trying to prove? Who are you trying to be strong for? Put that down. Let's talk about this. Let's not go the route that you are going. Why? Because I care for you. I don't want you to fall down and hurt yourself. Why? Because that's what Jesus says. And if you are here tonight, and if you might have been looking at something, not necessarily sin, but you've been looking at stuff, you've taken your eyes off of that mark, and you may be looking at some other things, some other words other than the encouragement of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or you are here and you're bearing a load that you should not be bearing. You're carrying something that God has not designed for you to carry. 
He wants you to give that to him tonight. And he wants you to say, I'm changing what I'm looking at, Jesus. I'm coming now tonight and I'm going to refocus what I'm looking at because I want to go where you have called me to go. Let's all stand up, please. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for speaking to our hearts tonight. Even in two simple videos that the world put out there. But Lord, there is nothing in the world that you cannot use. So we just thank you, Lord, tonight for showing us that if our vision, if our, our viewpoints, if we're looking at something that we shouldn't be looking at, Lord, if it's not you and what you have called us to do, that we will take our eyes off of that and place it back on the road that you have called us to walk upon. Your word says in Ephesians 2 verse 10 that there is a path, there is a good work for us to walk in which you have predestined for us even before the foundations of the earth. And Father, if we are carrying something, if there's a burden and a yoke and a load that we are bearing out of our own strength, it's too much for us. You have not called us to carry this right now. We just come now, Jesus, and we say, just take it. We give it to you, Lord. We don't want to be tired. We don't want to be burnt out. We don't want to be falling down, hurting ourselves. And Lord, if we should see a brother or a sister next to us that is carrying something too heavy, help us to go to them and speak to them and say, I will help you. I want to stand with you and carry this because I can see that you cannot bear this by yourself right now. Help us be that kind of body that comes beside someone, Lord, to help them. Not to just stand aside and say, well, look at them. Isn't that ridiculous? But that we would go and stand side by side and help them, Lord. Carry them. Put our hands in their hands and say, let me walk with you. Let me stand with you. I want you to succeed. Because when you succeed, I succeed. It's not about me and you. It's about the body. And when one part of the body does well, the whole body does well. So, Lord, we give you our eyes. We give you our head. We choose to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And we say, Lord Jesus, once again tonight, we decree that you and you alone have preeminence in our life. And we will listen to your words. And we will listen to what you have to say about everything that involves our lives. There is nothing too big and there is nothing too small for you to care about and be involved in. And we thank you for that. Thank you, Abba, that you are a good, loving father. We bless you tonight and we thank you, Lord, for taking upon yourself our cares because you care for us. And we just give it to you and we receive right now your burden and your yoke, which is easy to carry. We love you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. We bless you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. If you need any more prayer,